After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel. That's every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also, make sure to checking out Five Reasons YouTube channel before floor, an hour before every game. Post up five hours as soon as the game ends. If you hit the like and subscribe buttons, you will get everything on the channel. Well, maybe not with the like button, but with the subscribe button, but like it anyway. Also, we've got all kinds of South Florida sports content there that's not just the heat. So make sure you hit subscribe. Five reasonsports.com. Spell that one out. We do not have a paywall. You get the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk and others. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. We mention this one all the time. This is our official fantasy sponsor prizepicks.com use the code five f i v e that's f i v e you get your initial deposit matched up to a hundred dollars you don't need to spend it all at once you can play the nba the nhl mlb mma and all of the other sports of course they've got nfl during football season but they'll get the futures up there as well prizepicks.com use the code five f i v e and follow our prize picks content on the youtube channel we'll tell you who to pick and now today's episode down to biscay yeah, uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing, you can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, this power have the guts. We're here to bring the heat, y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor here on the Five Reasons Sports Network and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. You may be watching me there as well. You may hear a little bit of background noise. Uh, Pay no mind to that. We've got our guy, Norris Cole. He's over in France right now. He's going to be joining us throughout the playoffs. He's got his own season going on, but we're going to talk about the Heat playoffs and also the NBA playoffs with him. I've also got Alex Salito. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. Uh, before we go forward, Norris, tell everybody about Energy Cubes. Yes, yeah, so Energy Cubes are the best tasting, you know, protein bars on the market. Uh, what makes them different is they're non-GMO, uh, no soy, no dairy, 100% real protein. It's not protein powder. Um, and you can, right now we have a sale going on because it's one of the founder's birthday. So for the whole month of April, if you put in the code happy birthday 2022, you get 35% off on e3energycubes.com. That's e3energycubes.com. Best tasting bars on the market. All right, and we're going to need our energy here to get through this episode with my fire alarm going <laughs> off, but we're going to make the best of it. Uh, thanks to Norris for joining us. He's six hours ahead over there in France, so we're trying to accommodate everybody's time here and, uh, and get you the best heat content that we possibly can. All right, we're going to get into game one a little bit. Norris had a chance uh, to catch it and also a bunch of the NBA, other NBA games. We're going to focus here on the heat at the start. And, and where I wanted to go with you at the very beginning here is, obviously over the course of your time with the heat, you had to guard high usage guards 
uh, who, you know, their teams were very dependent on what they, what they accomplished, not just as a scorer, but also creating for others. Trey young, one of 12 in the opener doesn't make a three uh, held. What was it? to six points. We know that Atlanta's offense is very Trey centric and John Collins is not quite himself yet. What do you think? Let's start from the heat perspective here. Their approach yesterday was a little bit of Jimmy, a little bit of Kyle, they switched some stuff, but we know that they've got switchable defenders all over the floor to, to give him trouble. What would your approach against Trey be in this series, and, and, and how did the Heat execute that? Well, I would go with what worked in game one and let the Hawks make the adjustment because they're the ones that struggled. Trey's the one that struggled. The Hawks' offense is the one that struggled. So, you know, the Heat's game plan worked for game one. So I would stick with that, but I would also have an adjustment you know, to their adjustment in mind. But I would, I would stick with it, go with the same exact game plan and see how the Hawks adjust. And once you see how the Hawks adjust, then you make your adjustment. So I wanted to ask you how you felt about what they threw out there at Trey last night because I, I went mm -hmm. and covered the Hawks media after the game and he was giving Miami a lot of credit for throwing out, uh, you know, not just being great at switching, but throwing out different coverages throughout, kind of throwing out the zone at one point. And they'll have different types of looks. Like if he'll, you know, get Struess or Hero or somebody like that isolated in, in a hunt like he's always looking for. The Heat are always having multiple bodies really help there and kind of making other guys pay instead. But uh, I just wanted to get how you felt about that. Do you think it's going to be more of that? Because I know you said, you know, let the Hawks make the adjustment. But you, do you think the Heat are just going to stay mixing it up? Do they go back to more of a baseline of switching and helping? Or what do you, what do you think after seeing all of that in game one? Well, one, the Heat believe in having long rangey defenders for that exact reason. Playoff times, you can be in help position, but you can also be close to your man. And that's what you saw. It was kind of like a zone. So Trey was always at the top of the key, one-on-one -on -one with his man, but the help was able to be there like in a zone to play in between. And when worst came to worst, they were aggressive on Trey to make him make a play to pass to somebody else. And you saw him turn it over, you know, a lot last night. So I think that they need to keep that same mentality, always keep someone, you know, and within an arm's reach of Trey. And I think the Hawks, what they need to do is maybe sometimes take Trey off the top of the key. It's easy to load up on a player when he's standing at the top of the key, when everyone can see him. I think maybe they might want to, you know, get Trey off the ball a little bit, make him run through some screens a little bit so he's catching it on the move because you can tell that the Heat were disciplined. Anytime Trey had the ball at the top of the key, everyone was in help side position. Everyone. It was almost like, a, like you said, a zone defense. So I think that's going to be the adjustment for the Hawks, kind of getting Trey on the move a little bit and not, not too much of a heavy dosage of him just dribbling at the top of the key so that the Miami Heat defense can focus on him. But when you look at it from Atlanta's perspective, they don't really have a second creator, right? I that's mean, it, and, and, and I feel like that's one of the reasons that this series plays into the Heat's hands. And I'm going to get into some more of your history with Eric Spolstra and how he prepares for teams that are like this, because it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like teams like this have a lot of success against Spolstra teams, because it does seem when he can load up against one guy, Miami's very effective defensively. I mean, who else, if you're going to get Trey off the ball, who else creates? I mean, Kevin Herter, Bogdanovich was 0 of 8 yesterday. I mean, they, they don't really have... Both of you, those guys. That's well, it, right? Like, they don't really have that other guard. Well, they, they have some guys, they don't create like Trey. They have guys that can play and that create, but they don't create as well as Trey does. 
So what I mean is Trey can still dribble the ball up the court, but dribble the ball up the court, give it up, and then go cut through the lanes, what I'm saying, so that the defense has to react to the ball and not to him. And so that when he does catch the ball again, he's catching it on the move. Like you said, you know, the Heat are really good at teams that have a, a ball-dominant player because you can focus on him, make him take tough shots, force other guys to have to create more. But, you know, the, the Hawks, like you said, Bondon is 0 for 8. He's not going to go 0 for 8 every game. Trey's not going to go 1 for 12 every game. So, you know, you want to see how well they're going to adjust first before you, as the Heat, change it up, you know. Make them prove that they're not going to go 0 for 8 again, 0 for 7 again, and then you, you make the adjustments. It also seemed yesterday, and I'm going to let Alex get in on the next one. It also seemed yesterday like the Heat had an approach from the very beginning to be physical with Trey. I, Absolutely. I, right? I mean, from, from the Absolutely. start, Jimmy Butler getting in his face. We don't see Jimmy do that a lot. Like, that happened in the first five it's minutes of the game. before, by the way. It, right. It's not the first yeah. time with Trey. And then and right. then later, later he brings in Gabe Vincent, and we know that Gabe uh, is a physical defender. Okay? We, we watched you play that kind of physical, you know, point guard defense. Uh, but he's a physical defender. He got up on him. Alex and I had a, a question on whether or not he got crossed on the one that Trey tried that uh, was, was going to try the 30 footer. I don't know. All of a sudden, Gabe Vincent was like 30 feet back at Trey. I, I was I was confused. I'm like, that that had to be the, one of the craziest moves I've ever seen. I, I don't know. And, but he dared him to shoot. It, it happens. It happens. But but it, but it did. He it definitely did dared him to shoot. It, it did seem like it, it, that was the approach. And, 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 I, and I wonder if that's the thought beyond game one, but that's the thought of, okay, if this ends up being a six or seven game series, not that you want it to happen, but it can happen. You want Trey to be so beat up by the end of the series, right? That he, he can't go off for you for, on, you know, for 35 and in, in a game six, game seven situation. So, I mean, what, what did you think of the physical approach? Well, I think the Miami heat flicked the switch is playoff time and in playoff time. That's the mentality. You know, you want to set the tone. And, and the Heat came out there. I don't think it mattered who they played against. I think game one, they was going to set the tone. Like, we're going to play our style of basketball, our brand of basketball, physicality, emotion. And I think that that was the proper approach, especially for a team like Atlanta, who's not the most physical team. Um, you know, the, Trey is not the biggest guy in the world. So to, to worry on him, to keep, you know, physical defenders on him, to – you know, talk trash a little bit to him mentally and physically beat him up a little bit. You know, I think the Miami Heat flipped the switch. You know, it's playoff time. And, you know, they let them know, like, hey, we the number one seed and we're not playing. And I don't know if you guys noticed that even when they were up by, like, 30, the Heat kept their foot on the gas. They were sending a message like, hey, we here to kick y'all, you know what. You know, and, and I like that approach. You know, that's the approach you got to have. Let, let me yeah, take you back let me take it back a little bit, and I'll let Alex jump in here. It, to to your your time here, uh, preparing. Obviously, you guys were in Big Three era. You guys, well, total what sixteen playoff series, right? <laughs> so it was a bunch. I, I know you were here the second the second year, so so you played in twelve of them, uh, and you played against a whole bunch of different teams. I, I, you know, you go to, you know, you look at those Spurs teams, the one that got you the last year, but but then you know the one you play in the finals they had four or five different options, right? Like that was, I mean, you know, you, 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 I mean, it could be Duncan, it could be Kawhi, it could be Ginobili, it could be Parker. Um, but again, I go to these, these sort of one, these star, the teams that you face in earlier rounds tend to have be focused on one guy. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Like we used know, to play against Kimball. 
We used to play against Charlotte or the Bucks or something like that. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Okay. So the approach against, yeah. yeah, the approach against Kemba, the approach against the Bucks, it seemed like that year was maybe more Monte Ellis or that was the year that he was there. You know, they, they, they were kind of guard dominant. Um, it, t- take me through a Spolster approach and a heat approach. And you had a different team, but, but an approach to that kind of series. Well, you know, you, you focus on, you know, the most dominant player, obviously, and each player's dominant player doesn't mean that they're unstoppable or unguardable. You have some guys that are absolutely unguardable, you know, that they're going to score. You just want to try to make it as tough as possible. But when you start talking about like guards, you know, smaller, you know, guards, shorter guards, you want to be physical. You want to use your length. You want to shade them to the help. You want them to shoot and pass over length. And, and that's what we did. We tried to, you know, make the game as, tough as possible on those guys, especially, like I said, guys that are, you know, smaller guards like Kimba, uh, Brandon Jennings or Monte Ellis, those type of guys, you want to shade them the bodies. You want to use your length, high hands, make them shoot over contested shots. And it really has a wearing effect, you know, on those type of players. And I, and I think in the earlier rounds, we used to do a good job of that. So I'm also interested since we're still going on here about the Heat defense versus the Hawks. They, I mean, they've been throwing out all types of things throughout the all types of coverages throughout the season. They threw out a bunch yesterday, like I asked about earlier. But last night with Trey, you were talking about how uh, at the top of the key, and this is something we kind of talked about the past couple of seasons, whether with teams like the Bucks before they figured things out last season, kind of the way that they used to use Giannis, uh, things like that, where it becomes easier to zone up against a guy like you were talking about. The thing with Trey, I feel like this is the biggest difference between him and Steph is the off-ball stuff like you're talking about, he doesn't do it enough. And so that's definitely the perfect adjustment, but like it feels like you can't really count on it if you're a Hawks fan on, on him doing that stuff more often, even though he, he definitely could because the type of gravity he has as a shooter, as a scorer, team's always going to pay attention to him. And so not really expecting much of that to happen. What I'm expecting next game is he comes out and faces a lot of the same type of physical defense, a lot of switching. He's going to see Bam. He's going to see PJ. He's going to see Kyle. He's going to see Jimmy. He's going to see Gabe Vincent again. And it's really going to be up to the other guys to not kind of lay an egg the way they did yesterday, specifically Bogdanovich or Herter. They're going to need more from their bigs as well. And it just feels like there's going to be a game where they give them enough. But that's just about it. Like, I – not trying to be biased or anything. It just really feels like the Hawks don't have enough on offense as far as guys who can create their own shot versus the best of the best defenders. Cause that's what the heat have at every position. And so I'm wondering if you see any uh, potential for the Hawks to really make this into a series or just how, how do you feel about this after seeing kind of the heat choke them out after one game? <laughs> well, I, one thing about the playoffs, each game is a different game. You know, each game is a different game. There's, there's, there's no guarantee that the Heat are going to shoot 47% from three next game. Sure. You know, I can almost, almost guarantee that Trey won't go one for 12 next game or Ben Donovan is going to go 0 for 8. Now, that doesn't mean that the Hawks are going to win either, but it means that the game is going to be a more competitive game. And you also, you never know the referee. It's going to be a different Mm-hmm. You know, different refs, you know, allow different things. They may not allow the Heat to be as physical, you know, this next game. So that'll be something we have to keep an eye on. But I definitely don't expect it to be 25, 30-point blowouts every game. I don't expect that. Um, it's possible, but I don't expect that. And as a viewer, <laughs> I don't really want that. You know, obviously you want the Heat to win, but as a viewer – you want to see a competitive, you know, competitive game. So I'm expecting a more competitive game. Uh, I'm expecting Trey and the Hawks to make some type of adjustments 
And, you know, I expect the Heat to play well, but I don't know if I expect them to shoot 47% from three every game. <laughs> so we're going to pivot to the offense in a second, but you brought up an interesting point there. When you guys were going through a playoff series, when you found out who the officials were, did it ever like cause an adjustment? Like, okay, like, okay, we, uh, you know, I know this guy calls a game tighter or even I, I'm sure with Joey Crawford, it was maybe I don't want to argue too much because I don't want to get tossed. <laughs> Absolutely. Tony brothers too. Gotta Tony watch brothers out, too. Yeah. So, so, I mean, when, when the, when the three officials come out, I mean, there's, look, there's stats with Scott Foster and Chris Paul that I think everybody knows if Scott Foster is, is officiating a Chris Paul game, the hit, Chris He's Paul's team is probably not winning. Okay. And there's probably a tech. Did, did you guys, I mean, did you guys pay attention? Okay. These are the three officials tonight. We, we got to change the way we play. It's not so much you got to change the way we play, but you have to be weary and know, you know, certain guys call it a little tighter than others. Um, certain officials have certain attitudes. They're more accepting to, you know, dialogue. Some are not. And you have to make that adjustment as players. And that also allows certain offensive style teams. You know, if you're playing with a guy that lets physical play go, a team like Atlanta might struggle against a team like Miami because they're going to let the physical play, you know, they're going to let you play. Then you might have another crew that's, you know, more of a hands-off approach. Like they're going to call it tight, which is mean the defense is going to have to bag up a little bit, which is going to allow offensive teams to be a little bit more free. And so you just make those adjustments during the game. And you, you try to, you try to be the aggressor early so that the referee, normally the refs go with the more aggressive team normally. You know, so you set the tone early and hopefully, you know, the refs, you know, respect that and you, you just make the adjustments from there. It's interesting you mentioned Tony Brothers. He's a frequent topic of conversation. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been on I've been on the good end, you know, where he gave me some calls, but I've been on the other end, too, where he, you know, he let some guys maul me out there. <laughs> well, well, and, you know, there are certain guys like I was I was saying to Alex of the Alex Brady, the game yesterday, it's like. Kyle argues even after getting the call, like he, like, I'm like, wait, that one went in his favor and he's still in the official and, and Kyle could get away with it without, without getting a tech. Uh, it's almost like you got to go to a certain veteran to make sure he's the one that expresses it. Cause if it's the wrong guy that expresses it to an official, you're in trouble. Absolutely. No, nah, no, nah, there's, there's, there's definitely favoritism now. <laughs> you know, if you, if you, if you a young guy or, you don't have a good rapport with the reverie. Don't you try it. Make sure you <laughs> make sure the guy with the good rapport, make sure he's the one that goes and argue on your behalf. You know, Shane Battier could, he could have dialogue with the refs. <laughs> Obviously LeBron could have dialogue with the ref. He's LeBron, but you know, certain guys, you know, they, they wasn't going to take it. <laughs> Shane was using those six syllable words though. I don't know if they understood Absolutely. anything that he was saying. <laughs> That's Absolutely. probably Right, up, right, up, right over their heads. All right, we're going to talk to Norris about the Heat offense a little bit. He mentioned, uh, you know, the, the three-point shooting. I want to talk to him specifically here about, about Duncan Robinson uh, and what we saw yesterday because I think it was sort of fascinating on a number of levels. Before we do, though, we do want to tell you about one of the sponsors here at the Five Reasons Sports Network, our friends over at watercleanupflorida.com. When a disaster strikes in your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. So whether it's mold, water, fire damage, Water Cleanup of Florida here for you 24 hours a day. They're based in Boca, but they do service all the counties down here, and they got more than 60 years of combined experience. There's no need to bring in other contractors. Water Cleanup of Florida will handle it all for you. So call Michael on his personal cell at 954-579-0356. 
It's 954-579-0356. Mention five reasons or just go to watercleanupflorida.com. All right, you mentioned it. Uh, the Heat were on fire from three yesterday, but in particular, Duncan Robinson was on fire. And there's this phrase that Pat Riley uses. He's used it for years. Um, use it all the way back to the Lakers, where he always, always said the playoffs tell. That basically, once you get to the playoffs, you, you, can, you can tell whether a guy uh, is going to work in your system long term, whether you can count on when you need him. I just thought what Duncan did yesterday was remarkable because, I mean, he's been kind of, he, he's been the one with the target on his back all year from heat fans and others after getting mm-hmm. the contract, he's been in his head. He's kind of acknowledged he's been in his head a little bit. Um, and then, so we didn't know what we'd see out of him in the playoffs. And then in game one, we didn't even know if he'd be in the rotation. We thought maybe Caleb Martin might get that rotation spot. And then the guy comes out and makes eight threes at home, a place where he hasn't played all that well this year. He was really struggling at home the first two months of the season. I mean, what did you make of that? And, and from a team perspective, because I know there has to have been some doubt there inside the team this year about him and whether he could be counted on. And so like, what does that do for him and the team going forward that you can get a performance like that? I don't really think they doubted him. You know, even though he was up and down, he might have struggled. I don't believe they doubted him because they know and see the work that he puts in. And sometimes that work pays off later. Sometimes it, it don't pay off right in the moment but it's great when it pays off in the proper time, which is crunch time, which is the playoffs. And so you can tell he's been working on his craft. You can tell that the team still believes in him and he believes in himself because a lot of those shots were not wide open shots. A lot of those shots were catch and shoot rhythm, but contested. And, you know, and he, he stared them right in the face and knocked it down. So I think he's coming together at the right time. They're going to need that type of shooting because if he's shooting like that, it's not too many teams that can beat them. You know, quite frankly, I don't it may be one or two teams that might be able to beat them if, you know, if they're shooting the ball that well. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that about the contested. Brady went through all of it. Uh, it's actually on our YouTube channel now. And, and all eight threes were contested. Uh, we, and we yes. know that they've worked hard to get him sort of open shots, you know, in rhythm off, uh, you know, the dribble handoffs. They've gotten away from that a little bit by separating. Uh, him and Bam, but that that's been it's been kind of again it was it, under the circumstances of this season. If you've seen Duncan shoot before, you'd be like, okay, he's capable of that. And and even when I've talked to this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited. How would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. 
You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Heat officials, they've been like, the reason we want Duncan is because he can give you a six to nine three-point game. And so other teams have to respect him because you can have Always. great three-point shootings, but a guy, there's very few guys who can do that, you know? I mean, who can, right. who, can, who can do that? But one other thing, and I'll pivot back to Alex here, you know, we've talked a lot about the rotation. Uh, I, during the big three era with you guys, you guys had a very set nine. Um, it, it was, especially during the 12-13 season, it, we knew Udonis started at four during that stretch, but we and you know, Rio started, but we knew that it was going to be you and it was going to be Shane and it was going to be uh, Birdman and it was going to be uh, 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 Shane, um, you, Ray, 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 or Mark. And Ray, Ray right, Mike. exactly. The four of you guys, okay, always off the bench. And Mike Miller was kind of the 10th, you know, depending on circumstances or Dwayne, you know, couldn't go that night that Mike would slot in, maybe James Jones in an emergency situation. We know Spo likes to play nine. He's got basically 12 playable players right now. I mean, for a playoff situation, we didn't see until it was late. We didn't see Caleb yesterday. Uh, we didn't see Oladipo, didn't see Morris. Do you see roles for those three guys um, either in this series or going forward? Going forward, for sure. Um, this series, you know, maybe not. Uh, I mean, you never know game by game, but this series, maybe not. Um, I think Spo is going with, you know, the matchups that he likes and the guys who he felt has earned, you know, earned the right to get to get those minutes. Um, but if they can get past this series, which I assume they will, they're definitely going to need to play, you know, Morris and Caleb and probably Vic because you have guys, you know, you have stiffer competition. Now you start talking about, you know, possibly the, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks of the world. You know, if you can get past them, you start talking about the Philadelphia's or the Boston's or maybe the, you know, the Nets of the world. And, you you know, you're going to need a little more firepower. You're going to need a little more athleticism out there. So the Morris twins and Victor would definitely be needed in those series. But for this series, I believe that the rotation that they have right now, I believe it can work. And guys just have to stay professional. Uh, guys have to stay ready. Um, and I believe that they will. So Norris, I'm totally with you, by the way, as far as like uh, having these many guys, I wouldn't be surprised if, if one or two of these guys are, are thrown into a different series, if that's what Spo feels like they need. But I, I, I'm with you that I think it's going to stay here. One thing I wanted to ask about, I feel like it's been the biggest concern when it comes to fans, media uh, of the Heat this season is their offense, right? I think that's kind of like mm -hmm. everybody feels great about their defense. Everybody knows that they're going to put teams in jail every single night, especially now during the playoffs when everybody is tuned in. Uh, the offense, I feel like the, the more optimistic fans feel better about the, you know, the offense, the more pessimistic fans don't think they're going to be able to score on a regular basis versus elite defenses. Because, you know, uh, it's easy to downplay what they did, I think, versus the Hawks, because the Hawks are notoriously one of the worst defenses. But they mm -hmm. are like, the, they were like the second best offense by offensive rating the whole year. Now, I wanted to ask about the Heat's uh, half-court offense. It finished, I believe, 11th in half-court offensive rating. They were fifth in transition offensive rating. So it feels like that's the profile of a team that's actually pretty good on offense. You've got multiple guys you could put 
the ball in the hands of when it comes to Jimmy Bam, Kyle Tyler. Uh, they finished, I think, second in three-point percentage. They can rebound. Is that a optimistic view of their offense, or are they just a are they a good offensive team, or do you think that's something that uh, could be a concern going forward? Well, most people when they think about elite offensive teams, they think about having elite offensive individual players, meaning having superstar caliber, you know, players, a la Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, Giannis, LeBron, uh, you know, those level type of players. And so, you know, the Heat doesn't necessarily have that, but they do have Jimmy Butler, who is a star, bona fide star and proven, you know, playoff you know, leader. Um, we do have Kyle Lowry, who's he's not a volume player, a volume scorer, but we all know that he's not afraid of the moment and he's been there and he's produced in the moment. And then, like you said, we have uh, you no know, great shooting. Um, Tyler Hero, he can fill it up. Duncan Robinson can fill it up. PJ Tucker, if he get to that corner, catch and shoot, we all know he's a knockdown corner. And then we have Bam, who can do a little bit of everything. So I believe that the Miami Heat are good for their style of play. I believe, you know, what makes the NBA, for me, what I like is when there's different styles of play. And the Miami Heat, they play their own brand of basketball. It's not what everybody likes, and that's why people might say they're not a great offensive team, but they score in transition. They're efficient three-point shooters, and we have rebounding. And when you have those things, you always have a chance to win. Norris, a couple of quick ones here for you before we close, and I want I want people to to hear about Energy Cubes again. Um, be honest here, your three first round <laughs> series with the Heat, your three first round series. Okay, you mentioned uh, it was New York because Philadelphia, you weren't in that one. New York, Charlotte, Milwaukee, and Charlotte. I always talk about the Milwaukee series because I was playing pool the night before Game Four at a hotel in downtown Milwaukee, and Monte Ellis was there playing pool because he'd already checked out of his house because he knew he was going to be a free agent. And he knew the series was over in a sweep. Um, I was in the Philly one too. Oh, uh, there you the go. Yeah. Oh, oh, you were in the Philly. Oh, that's right. You were in the Philly one too. Okay. Yeah. I think they won and, one game. They stole one game from us. That okay. Oh, so I'm gonna ask you that because I think you guys lost a total of four uh, two games in the in the four years, right? I think it was something like that. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. At 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 any point did you think with, with the team that you guys had and the opponent that you had, and you guys were always a one or a two seed. Did any point did you think, okay? this other team can beat us in a series. Did you guys ever think that? Never. <laughs> Never. I mean, because for one, you, you didn't have to beat us one time. You had to beat us four out of seven. We didn't think it was no team that could beat us four times out of seven. That's fair. I mean, they only got yeah. two totals. So that, I mean, that was yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we didn't think literally nobody until you did it until, until, the Spurs beat us. We didn't believe nobody could beat us four games out of seven. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fair. All right. And, and one thing I want to ask you, because um, Kyle Lowry was talking up Gabe Vincent last night and, and talking up how, you know, much his game has grown and, and he thinks he could be a real quality point guard in the league for a long time. What, what do you, what do you like about Gabe's game and, and where do you think, where do you think he can go? What is, what is the upside there? Um, well, he can shoot the ball. No, he competes on the defensive end at a high level. Um, and anytime you're a competitor and can compete on both ends of the court and be a two-way player, you automatically stand out because there's not a lot of two-way players in this league anymore. So the fact that he can, you know, play on both sides of the ball and he can shoot the ball, which is 
you know, that's major in today's NBA, you know, being able to shoot the three ball. The fact that he can do both of those things, he definitely has a future. And, and he's a competitor. You know, you can see, you know, he's willing to mix it up out there and really go after it. And, uh, you know, I appreciate that because that's, you know, the type of player that I am. Um, so I think he does have a future in this league. And, you know, as long as he keeps competing and as long as he continues to get better, you know, he can, he can have a long career. If there was one thing, and I'll let Alex uh, close here, if there was one thing about Kyle Lowry's game uh, that you admire the most, what is it? <laughs> it's hard to pick one. I would say one thing would be his, his competitive nature. Like, he's willing to really mix it up out there and do anything. He'll take a charge. He'll run you over. He'll throw an elbow at you. He'll foul you. He'll do anything out there to make sure <laughs> to make sure that he has a chance to compete and win. And so, you know, I noticed things like that. You know, he some people call it, a, you know, that dog mentality, bulldog mentality. I just say he has a high level, high level competitor, his competitive nature. You know, he's very, very, very competitive. And I would say that's the one thing um, that I would admire. You know, when I played against him, you know, I wasn't backing down, but he ain't back down either. You know, and so I, I think that's the one thing I would say I admire, his competitive nature. You know, he had come down and shoot the transition three right in your face, or he had stepped right in and take a charge, you know, <laughs> and, and right right when you need it. He had stepped in right in and take a charge. You know, he will make the ugly play, which you, which you need to save a possession. And that's all competitive spirit right there. I'm sure he took a charge on you where you didn't really think it was a charge, right? There has to have been oh, one well, of those. Of course, he's one of those guys, you know, you hate to play against, but love when he's on your team. <laughs> so the answer is yes. Alex, uh, <laughs> take us home here. It's funny you talk about that because meanwhile, while you're talking about Kyle Lowry and him being so competitive and annoying to play against, I got this like huge fly attacking me because I'm recording from outside in my backyard. I'm like, wow, this is the perfect analogy for Kyle Lowry's defense. Like he's really just all over you, really taking me out of my comfort zone. I'm almost forgetting the questions that I wanted to ask you, but it's really <laughs> The I got three rapid fire. The first one, bam. He went, I think, what was it, one of five yesterday from the field? Is that what it was, Ethan? Uh, sorry, it's a one of five from the field, but had an awesome defensive performance. You know, I think one of the better ones all season for even for his standard. And I think this is kind of like that type of game that really shows you the value and who appreciates it and who doesn't. Because I think there was people talking about his aggression even after this game, like when they were kind of dominating since the second quarter, it wasn't even an issue to begin with. Right. Uh, also wasn't named the finalist for defensive player of the year. He found out today at practice and said it was disrespectful, honestly, because uh, he's off social media. So he didn't know. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on Bam, his game, like having a game like he did last night and the whole uh, defensive player of the year conversation. Well, by last night, he didn't have to force or do anything because the game didn't need it. You know, you go with the flow of the game, and mature players understand that. If you if your guys got it going, the three-point shot is going, you're up by 20, 25, you don't need to force anything. And so he was mature enough to understand that. Um, the defensive player of the year, you know, I mean, obviously he's one of the best defenders in the league. Um, he shouldn't let that bother him too much. Um you know, you never you never know what the people are looking for, you know, when they're making those judgments, the media. So I, I think that he can continue to play. He has many years, you know, to be able to prove that he's a defensive player of the year candidate. 
And I think he can use it as motivation to dominate in this playoff. You know, if you want to show, you know, now is the time to show. But I think Norris, one day Nor- he would. Nor- Norris, is it strange for you that I just want to cut in there? Because is it strange for you? You were on a team that was so high profile down here that they literally ESPN literally assigned four beat writers to cover the team every day. And I know it's LeBron. I get it. I understand it. You know, that's what started all of it. But, but how did we go from that to the heat never getting talked about on national television, never getting national TV games, because I do think that plays into some of this award stuff. I mean, if, if Stephen a is on talking, literally the first 35 minutes of first take today, we're about the Nets and Celtics. The first 35 minutes, the only time that he mentioned Miami and he runs their NBA coverage now was he kept shouting South Beach into the mic when the arena isn't even on South Beach. OK, like <laughs> literally like I mean, I think that's 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 literally all the research that they've done and they don't even know the geography like I mean, what what happened here? Is this just not a sexy team to cover like you guys were? Because I feel like that plays into the fact that Bam should be top three in defensive player of the year. I don't feel like people outside of Miami know what the hell he does on defense because it's that kind of stuff is never featured in the national coverage. Well, you know, it's the stars league. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the star power is going to get the benefit of the doubt most times. And, um, It's just unfortunate. Sometimes people just don't know what they're watching. I mean, it's a reason why the Heat know we're top seed this year. It's a reason why every year they're a top five defensive team since Bam has been in the league. It's a reason why, you know, we may not have the quote-unquote superstar players, but we're always, you know, relevant. And part of that's because, you know, Bam out of Bayou was here, you know, and so – it takes a real basketball eye to see those things. And a lot of the times the national media, you know, they don't see it, don't pay it attention. And that's just, I mean, that's just human error because he's definitely one of the top defenders in the league, obviously. You know, if you watch basketball, you pay attention, you know, Bam Adebayo is one of the top defenders in the league. So, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they're seeing, but definitely, um, you know, star power plays a part, even though I don't understand because Utah is not a major market either. But somehow, somehow Rudy Gobert, he always, you know, they always talk about him as, as a defensive player of the year candidate, which, you know, uh, you know, he's an elite rim protector, but I don't know about some of those defensive player of the years he had, you know, I mean, he's, he's a talented shot blocker, like I said, but I mean, Bam is definitely a more mobile defender. If when, it, when you talk about shot blocking, rebounding, switching on pick and rolls, you know, being able to guard a perimeter, you know, Bam is one of the most all-around defenders in the league, so he deserves to be in that conversation, no doubt. He doesn't get played off the floor in the fourth quarter like Rudy does. I mean, that's I mean, that's the thing. Like, how are you defensive player of the year if you can be schemed off the floor in the last six minutes of a playoff game? I that's that's that's, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. I don't I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Same thing happened though when uh, when LeBron was up for defensive player of the year and they gave it to Mark Gasol. It was just like like how did that happen? Well, I'm gonna vacate that conversation because no, I, I don't, Ethan. Ethan, because 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 Norris, I got to be honest about this. That's the first time LeBron got really upset at me uh, because I I got duped by the analytics folks that year, and he knew my vote. And I walked into the locker room, and all LeBron did was he looked at me and goes, "How is that possible, Ethan? I don't know how you could even fix your I I got like I, I I I got played. I got played on that one. I I played in the whole analytics thing that year." 
And uh, yeah, he, he, he wasn't happy with me for a couple of days. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. So I'm with you, but while, while we're <laughs> going to let you run away from that one. I, I'm, I, now that I know that I'm disappointed at you. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, ask another question. Change the subject. Come on, Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's why I don't have a vote anymore. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think LeBron had anything to do with that? No, but seriously, uh, as far as Bam, speaking of everything you're talking about there, him being special, I've always referred to him on this podcast as a cheat code. I really do think, you know, like his, I think his Instagram and Twitter handles say he's one of one because I don't think other guys can do what he does on a night-to-night basis, possession after possession, just eating up all the actions and everything that's going on and getting teams to literally scheme, to try to scheme him out by getting him switched onto a player and then trying to put them in the corner. That's kind of become a thing now. And because they know that Bam will just get in the way. And uh, I think he, he talked at practice today. He said that now this is kind of at the top of his chip on the shoulder list is I think what he called it. So, uh, you know, I think this is going to be good for him right now, specifically in the short term in the playoff run. And speaking of that, not to get too ahead, but I think a lot of us are expecting a pretty quick series, whether that happens, we'll see, but looking ahead to a potential Sixers Raptors opponent, either one of them, which one do you think would be the tougher opponent? Cause it could still go either way and potentially versus Embiid. Do you think bam and the way that they front versus Embiid and, and constantly help and may, turn him into a passer? Do you think that's something that could work versus a guy like him over a seven game series? And then uh, your thoughts on the Raptors as well. Man. I don't know which one would be tough. I, I mean, obviously. I know I asked a lot there. That's my fault. The playing against the Sixers and playing against the Raptors would be two totally different style of series because you have, you know, more of a quote unquote team concept with, you know, the Raptors. You know, they play a lot of continuity versus, you know, the Sixers. They play through, you know, their star and then beat. Um, I believe the Sixers series would probably be a tougher series even though I believe the Raptors series would probably go six games, at least six games as well. But I believe that Sixers series would be a lot tougher for the Miami Heat Um, because Joel Embiid is, you know, (laughs) he's as tough as it gets when it comes to, you know, dominant, you know, players in this league. And then obviously having a guy like James Harden, who's not just a good scorer, but James Harden, you know, always top three in assists in the league. So he's going, you know, make plays for others, you know, thigh barn and, you know, Danny Green has championship pedigree. And so. Yeah, Maxi and, going crazy. And Maxi, I about to say, that's the one. That's the one that everybody got to watch out for. So I, I, I believe the Sixers will be a little bit more of a difficult challenge. Um, but, you know, but we'll see. You have to see. You never know. You never want to look. One thing about the playoffs that I learned, you never, you never skip steps. You never look ahead. But I believe the Sixers would be, that's the one I would want to see. I don't really want to see the heat, the heat versus the Raptors. I, that would just be two two teams out there playing football. You know, I want to see one. <laughs> yeah, I want to see some, you know, I want to see, you know, the best, most talented guys playing against the best. And I, I believe the Sixers and the Heat will be a better, better series. Would you right, we'll close we'll close here. Um, and I want you know, to tell people about uh, about energy cubes also. Uh, after what you saw yesterday from Kyrie uh, in Boston. And, and obviously, uh, you know, the Celtics had to make a tremendous play at the end. I mean, I, I thought Marcus Smart's patience on that last play and, and everything else. But you didn't get a great KD game. And, right. and, they were, and they were in it on the road against the Celtics. The Celtics don't have Rob Williams back yet, but supposedly soon. Uh, who comes out of that? 
I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't think KD is going to have a bad game like that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but and on the Celtics end, you know, Al Horford doubled his season average, had, I think, 20-something points. Marcus Smart almost doubled his season average, shot the ball extremely well. So I don't know if you can expect all those things to happen every night. And so I think this series is – it's unfortunate it's a first-round series. This is like a second-round or Eastern Conference type of finals type of series. So I don't I, – I really don't know. I really don't know. It's not uh, unfortunate to, for the Heat, Norris. It's not unfortunate that they're all in that bracket, right? The Heat, because they only got to play against one of them. Possibly. That's right. So, <laughs> but I can't, I can't tell because KD, KD, he won't play another game like that. Where mm-hmm. nine for twenty three, he's normally very efficient. Um, Kyrie is capable of playing like that again. So, you know, I don't know. I don't. That's a that's a toss up. That's a, if I had to guess, I'm gonna go with Boston because I believe in Boston's defense and their continuity as a team playing together longer if I had to guess, but KD is capable of doing some special things, man. (laughs) Well, you guys saw it in the finals, but you ended up surviving that series anyway. All right, Norris, before we close here, uh, tell everybody about energy cubes and the discount that you guys got going on right now. So once again, E3 energy cubes, the best tasting energy cubes on the market made with real food, real ingredients, not just protein powder, non-GMO, non-soy, dairy-free protein bars. Right now is one of the founders' birthday, so you get 35% off all pur- purchases online if you put in the code Happy Birthday 2022 on e3energycubes.com. All right, uh, and we're going to put that on social media also if everybody wants to find it. Uh, thanks to our other sponsors today, watercleanupflorida.com prizepicks.com. Norris is going to be on with us throughout the playoffs. Um, if you're on our off the floor subscription string too, we're going to take some questions for Norris on there for the next episode. Also, maybe we'll get Sean on here too. Uh, maybe he'll uh, take some of them. Our friend, Sean Rochester. I know you've done some work with uh, as well. Norris, thanks for joining us uh, from France. The fire alarm went off. I'm okay. <laughs> Everybody's all right. And thanks to Alex as well. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network.